Hey, welcome to the first episode of Swimming in the Void. I'm your host, Matthew Barber. And Hyunsoo Moon. Oh, maybe we should do that again, because uh, that, that was like, there was some laundry, laundry machine going oh. on again. <laughs> so, what? No, it's like, it's done. No, the dryer. Oh, okay. Welcome to the first episode of Swimming in the Void. I'm your host, Matthew Barber. And I'm Hyunsoo Moon. We're two filmmakers and former evangelicals having conversations about the taboo, psychedelics, spirituality, and our journey into the void of life. The void of life. Uh, sometimes it'll just be Moon and I talking about our experiences. Other times, we'll invite a guest or two to dive further into a specific topic. So, well, you know, this was, this was uh, your idea. So you want to just talk about, like, why... You know why you want to uh, start this podcast? Yeah, I guess um, uh, you know I was reflecting back on all these experiences I've had in my life and leaving the church and just diving into all these experiences and 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 I was thinking about it in context of my nephew and my nieces and nephews and wanting to share some of these experiences and these lessons and also some cautionary tales of what what not to what not to do. And that's when I thought about the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a fun, easy way to like essentially invite people that you think are cool on to talk about things that you want to know about. And then I can share my stories in the process of like, this is what I did. Let's talk about the one time I did too many mushrooms and ended up in the ER. Right. I was dying. I mean, right. wh what not to do when doing right. mushrooms, right? Yeah. So those are the kinds of experiences that got me thinking about it. And so for me, it's more... I don't like, I don't care if there's like, you know, five listeners or 10,000 listeners, who cares? I just want, I just want it to be a, a resource for my nieces and nephews, maybe my children someday, people who want to find out some more information about, you know, deconstructing their spirituality and maybe finding a new way of life. Right. Right. Well, also, you know, I think something that you mentioned to me, uh, was the fact that, you uh, basically we met uh, during uh, the making of your documentary called "Give Me Sex Jesus," which which you started as a way to um, talk about the sexuality of evangelicals, and you had a really profound experience through that, and you you know the the way the film affected people and and what the work did, you know, you, uh, um, you had a response to it, like, oh, this felt good to do something really good. And I remember you saying that you kind of missed that feeling of making something like that yeah. and having that kind of a, an effect pe for people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I figured this was a fun, easy way of, of generating some of that, that space and helping, helping people out along the way. Right. Also right. helping myself along the way. Um, so one, like one of the things for, that I want to do is use this as a vehicle to you know, sort of open my heart and be vulnerable um, to random randos out there on the internet and in the world and and help help myself grow. And it's going to be it's going to be hard, man. It's like already um, like. So this first inter so this first episode that we're going to play for you, we recorded the first three episodes during the pandemic over Zoom. This is our first episode. We're doing this intro after the fact. Um, but uh, I interviewed Moon about navigating uh, his quote unquote interfaith marriage and how, you know, how he um, uh, navigated leaving the faith while his wife was still a believer. Um, and so that's one of the things that we're going to get into. Um, it, but for me listening to it, I was like so terrified of my voice and my pauses and all the times I said, you know, and, um, that I just edited the hell out of this thing. It's like super tight. And that's one of the things I wanted to start to do is to like be more comfortable with my own voice. 
So you're going to see in the first few episodes, the editing is going to get looser and looser as I like just relax. Um, but Moon, how about you? Any setup? We have like 30 seconds, maybe one more minute before we have to like kick it off to the actual podcast. I don't know. I think we should just begin, you know? I think we're good. All right. Yeah. Um, finally, uh, we don't know how often we'll put these out, but please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Like us, write a, review, write a review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Swimming in the Void. Our website is swimminginthevoid.com or send us an email at swimminginthevoidpodcast at gmail.com. And now, the show. We have swimminginthevoid.com? We do. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I love about you, and I think one of the things that we bonded over is like, we both kind of left the faith around the same time. And I know that was a really, mm-hmm. that was a really hard thing for, for your wife who wanted to have this nice Christian family. And now she has this rogue dude who's like, at best, a spiritual agnostic. And that was a real challenge for you. So like, I want to talk about like how, how you guys navigated that and, and how you got to this, this space where... You, you were able to start a family together. So let's start, let's start at the beginning. You know, do you remember the day when you told her you weren't a Christian anymore? I actually don't. Like, I don't know exactly how that conversation came about. Um, I feel like it was like a slow progression. And, yeah, I actually don't remember, like, exactly what that conver- first conversation was like. But what, were the gen- what was the general sense of, like, you know, what were those, con- those early conversations? You know, some well, of the, some- I mean... Yeah, so I mean, so just to give it a context, you know, my wife always wanted to marry someone who was Christian, creative, and Korean, and I fit the bill. And after we got married, yeah, I discovered in a way that uh, I'm not a Christian anymore, and this it was a freer way to be. For her, it was like it might as well I like I might as well have told her I was gay, basically. Uh, she felt betrayed, and kind of. Yeah, like, this is not what she signed up for. I think um, one of the biggest obstacles, in a way, we had was because we actually used prayer as a way to resolve issues. Really? What what was that like? You, like, Um, you you guys were, like, fighting, and you're like, let's stop and pray? Yeah, yeah, we used to do that. Um, We would uh, fight, and we would just kind of come to a head, and we couldn't move past it anymore and we were stopping we pray and it actually helped most of the time it was almost as if you know god was like a uh, the third party right it was like he was like the therapist and somehow we were missing each other and we were trying to fight each other but when we spoke to god we had a common ground to speak on and we were able to meet you know and we were able to kind of both warm up to did whatever you, we were talking about. Did you, know? you struggle? Did you struggle with those prayer times, especially as you were questioning your faith? I don't know. I don't. I, you know, because I, don't because, remember. I, I because I can imagine that, like, if you're like, I don't know if this God really exists. Right. Who are we, who are we talking to? Right. I mean, I, you know, I. It's a weird thing. I don't remember that transition very well. But I mean, I will say, you know, when I wasn't Christian anymore, the, that uh, not having that tool was a problem. 
you know, not having that 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 common uh, uh, third party was what, like, was was that a challenge. Was that like um, a conscious choice where you guys were like, well, we can't pray anymore, or did you just stop praying because like Hejong assumed that you didn't want to pray, or like? Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't want to. I didn't want to because it didn't make sense. Yeah. So, but know, I, but I, it's I, like so. I'm really curious about like that like that transition because there must have been a point when you're like before you decided that. Christianity wasn't for you. There must have been like a couple prayer times. You're like, is this really happening? Is this really working? I don't know. I feel like that that prayer time, at least, I didn't have that sense for some reason. Uh, maybe we just like didn't need that at that point. But I will say when I made the transition and I, I told her that I'm not Christian, I, our conversations were always difficult because we we always uh got stuck on the dogma part of it like what, speci uh, what specifically specifically that her idea of christianity was not the same christianity that i believed in and to me christianity was if you you have to believe in the dogma if you're a christian you have to believe in the dogma of you have to accept jesus christ as your savior into your heart and admit that you're a sinner and unless you believe that that is a historical fact, I can't see why how why you would be a Christian. Like to me, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and that was not her basis. Christianity was more almost more of a, this emotional kind of culture that she grew up in. Like Jesus was the one that she prayed to. Jesus was this relationship that she had when she had tough times with her personal life. And it was almost as if to, to her Christianity was this culture that she grew up in. I guess almost closer close to how Jewish people sometimes you know there's there are Jewish people who grew up grow up in that in that uh, faith almost more like a culture rather yeah. than uh, like a like a dogma dogmatic religion. Yeah, and, there's a lot of Catholics like that too. Yeah, yeah and it, it was almost like that. She prayed to Jesus because that's who that's who she prayed to all her life, and I but, but really still, had it was trouble still important. with that. It was still important to, to her to have someone who was a christian though yeah absolutely so there was there was there was enough there was enough like meaning there for her that that she wanted a partner that had held, held those values as well right yeah and I, I that was a period basically um yeah there was a period of time maybe for like almost like a year when whenever we started talking about it we'd get into a fight and we just it just it didn't go anywhere um and like what, what were those fights like what like what do you remember uh it was mostly me trying to understand why she's christian when she didn't believe in this dogma and me trying to explain to her like why i'm not christian anymore it was it was just it would just go around in circles with the same exact kind of argument um it mostly just never went anywhere and i think the real breakthrough happened i i mean i remember this moment when i i basically i must have read something that inspired this because i don't think i would have been able to come up with this on my own <laughs> but basically i i asked her to explain to me who jesus was and why she was christian and instead of trying to refute her 
I just literally had to translate her language. It was as if it were a foreign language. It was as if I was translating Korean to English or something. Where I used her language, and every time she spoke, I translated it to the words that I could understand. Knowing that she doesn't really believe in the dogma of Christianity, but she believes in 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 a more of a kind of a, a spiritual kind of cultural way, and about prayer and about um, what it means to have a community and church and the, you know ideas of love. And when she's talked about her faith in those terms, and I so I literally would just translate it. You know, when she talks about praying to God, I would translate it to she is. I guess praying to the universe more about her meditation. It's more about her um, um, trying to understand with the universe and herself. It, it basically would be I would tra- translate it her words into the way I understood the world, mm. and that moment I, I remember like it clicking, and we were actually able to have this conversation and. Like we totally connected. What now, now? Was that was that satisfactory to her? Um, I think so. I mean, it's. I remember that moment being pretty significant for both of us because it was the first time when we kind of connected in that level on on a spiritual level after my deconversion, basically. Yeah, I remember that being a significant moment because I don't think we ever connected on the, in in like a spiritual way after that, you know. So it was definitely significant. Yeah, I mean, this. I mean, yeah. that that idea res- really resonates with me with like what I'm sort of processing as of late. What does spirituality mean? What do, what does divine experiences mean? And I think I've told you this story before, but when I was in Thailand five years ago, I was doing all sorts of stuff. I was doing like ayahuasca and ecstatic dance. I was doing all the hippie shit. Um, mm. But I ended up doing this thing called a Tantra Rebirth, you know, which is basically like you do this breath work for an hour. You do a circular breath for an hour. You go, and you basically hallucinate in that space. And Oh, yeah. I've, I've done breath work, yeah. yeah. It's, but practi- uh, and practitioners claim you can, like, see past lives and all this stuff. But what was really p- powerful for me was, like, I had an experience similar to my um pentecostal upbringing where mm. everyone wanted me to speak in tongues you know and you have like 30 people with their hands on you putting all this energy into your body and you start shaking and i remember in high school i would just start making words up and then they everyone would go he's he's speaking in the tongues of angels and i felt like it was all bullshit, even though I, like, I wanted to be accepted in that world. And so I'm like, I wanted to be validated. I wanted to have that community. So I'm like, I'm going to say mm-hmm. something. But I didn't feel like it was a, a divine experience. I felt like I was doing it. felt inauthentic because I felt like I was just making stuff up to get there to get the response I wanted. But when I did this Tantra Rebirth in Thailand, there was no guidance other than just breathe and experience. That's it. There was no, you're going to speak in tongues, you're going to do a lot of stuff, just breathe, breathe. And I had the exact same feeling I had when I was doing that speaking in tongues. My mouth and my jaws, and, and I was babbling in the same sort of way. And I had a really powerful connection with this other woman that was there. We're both like sort of on this weird wavelength apart from each other. And when I came out of it, I realized, I'm like, oh my God, this, this is what I thought that speaking in tongues would feel like. This moment mm. right here. And that was sort of when I sort of 
finally sort of started understanding this sort of more comparative religion, this general spirituality kind of thing, which is like, what if humans have just tapped into this divine connection? And whether you want to say, I, I, I'm still on the fence on whether it's like some universal spirituality or, or if it's just a bunch of neurons firing in some sort of you know, way that benefits our survival or, or, or whatever. I don't know, but I know something happened. And mm. I know it related to this spiritual experience I thought I wanted to have as a kid, but it was wrapped up in all this dogma and this expectation, and and it it, it kept me from like fully connecting and being present. And mm. that experience in Thailand, I was present. I was in this moment, and I was there. And that's sort of where I've been. I, I think what I've been trying to do, and 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 hold grace for even like. Christians like I'm I'm trying to date you know and I'm like I don't want to date a Christian because it's too much baggage but I'm like well maybe I could date someone if I can translate their spirituality in a way that makes sense to my worldview sort of what you were saying but they would have to be able to accept that translation yeah because because yeah. there there I mean there are times in my Christian life where I'd be like nope nope it's it's Jesus Jesus is the only way and if you don't and I think this is why I have a hard time really joining any kind of religious experience is because of the dogma. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can't join Buddhism because I don't know if I believe in past lives and karma. Right. Really believe in it. And a lot of people don't. A lot of people who do the actual practice of a religion, they don't necessarily believe in the dogma. They just like the culture and the vibe of it, you know? I mean, I, I, have, a, I have a friend uh, who does exactly that. Like, he loves church and he loves the practice of it and i mean it's a weird thing but i mean we still actually we still actually pray now before every meal we uh hold hands we pray i don't say like in jesus name or anything like that i guess i i, I like certain practices you know i i like the idea of a group prayer i like the ideas of uh, the practice of uh, giving grace and yeah, there's being, that, having there's green, being grateful. Great, and, like, and stop, stop, yeah. and, stop, and be present for a moment. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I get it. I think if prayer was presented to me as this space of like being still, just be still, right. and connect with this moment, which is God. Right. Like, I think that's where like being yeah. present is probably the same thing as like praying to Jesus. Right? It's like you're trying to connect with this moment. Whereas, like, the, the Christianity I grew up in, there was all this, like, okay, we're going to be in this circle. Now, oh, my God, this woman, she just said the most beautiful prayer. Oh, my God, she, her face is so, and everyone would praise that person. And, like, oh, I'm like, my words are so, like, lame. Uh, my faith must be weak. I mean, I've been checking out this Shambhala group. It's so nice to just be like, all right, now we're just going to sit for 10 minutes. All right, mm. and now we're going to walk for 10 minutes. And now we're going to reflect on this teaching for 10 minutes. And now we're going to sit in silence for 10 minutes. There's no like, here's some great words that we're going to say. And, you know, dear mm-hmm. Jesus, Lord, Savior, you're like all your holy Messiah. Like, it's like how many holies and Jesuses and, and gods can you get into one speech? Like, fuck, just mm-hmm. shut up and be quiet. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I will say there are certain things that I, I, I miss. Uh, like what? Like getting together with people every Sunday and uh, eating, having having a group. Uh, it's uh, that that practice I definitely miss, and having a weekly space where you could just 
It was a safe place to be totally vulnerable. That's what, the, you know? that, but that, that's what this men's group is, right? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. What, this men's group thing I'm doing, right? I I feel like all those things that we loved are things that you can have now. It's just you have to yeah. create the space with like-minded. I mean, really, it's just creating space with like-minded people. That's all it is. Yeah. That's, yeah. And I think that's why we struggled. I mean, I at least that's why I struggled with the church is because increasingly I was becoming what's the opposite of like-minded, unlike-minded. This patronizing, uh, anti-queer, conservative, uh, closed-minded group of people. You know, and, and not everyone's like that. I have some like really wonderful Christian friends who are like um, one friend in particular that, that you know as well. You know, it's like if all Christians were like her, I'd be like, I'd have no problem with the church. She's one of the most amazing human beings I know. And I say this to all my friends: like, if everyone was like her in the church, I would still, I would still be a Christian, hands down. Because she holds space. Like, you mess up, you're a fucking human, and she will give you wisdom but she also holds space for you and mm. that's a beautiful thing but i feel like it's po- a weird popularity contest and like how can you get yourself seen and i don't know it's just a combination of too much power and and too much too many egos like as soon as there's like a problem in the church this other ego will peel off and say i'm starting my own church right. and it becomes a cult it's all cults of personality there's no denying that the church in and of its the religion that the that the religion has a profound uh, influence from patriarchy. Generations and centuries of toxic masculinity passed down in the form of a religion. I mean, laws about if you're, um, what is it? You're, if your wife dies, you have to marry their uh, uh, sister. Isn't that, is that what the That's like is? some old, that's some old school Bible shit. That's like deep. Yeah, old, yeah. That's like old Testament shit. Yeah. Yeah. But that's but, what I'm saying. But that, but no, but that's what I'm saying. That, 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 that is, that that's is like, the, that's that's that is the that is the root of the religion where women have no say. But you know the <laughs> you story. Know? You know the story of Onan, right? Is that Onan? That, Genesis, and it's like this dude died, and God's like, "You're the brother. You have to marry her and give her give her an heir because having right. an heir was really important." And Onan right. was like, "I don't want an heir with this woman," so he went in and like spilled his seed on the ground. The whole that's that was the whole thing. He basically he pulled out is what he did, the pull out method. He's like, "I'm gonna fuck her, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna pull out." And he spilled mm-hmm. his seed on the ground, and God, you know, smote him or whatever. <laughs> And and that's where like and that's where like onanism comes from, you know. That's what that was right. old old school term for masturbation, right? And that was where huh. like a lot of the anti masturbation shit came from, you know. It's like, oh, this God smote this guy because he spilled his seed on the ground. No, it huh. wasn't. It wasn't about like. It was because he disobeyed God's commands, not because he like pulled out not the pull out method. But yeah, it's just you know, I mean, the way the way the the religion itself is structured, yeah, it's just like greatly influenced by toxic masculine patriarchy. It's almost like you can't separate conservative masculine ideals and and Christianity in a way. It's almost like Christianity in and of itself have been a tool for a lot of uh, quote-unquote toxic masculine men to control people, including women. I mean, why why does the Mary who gave birth to the Savior have to be a virgin? You know what I mean? Like, why? Because, man, because if there's another dick in that vagina, it's like, you can't be a savior, apparently. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like somehow dirty. It's like, why? (laughs) Why? Why can't the Samaritan woman bear the savior? You know, it's, uh, it's, it's such, yeah. So, yeah. What were we talking about before we went into this? feel like i was connecting before this to we, before we like went into like the jerking off on the grounds yeah 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 i feel like i had a point to connect this to 
What were we talking about? I don't know. I don't know. We were, we were, uh, we're, gonna we're have talking to, about yeah, Onan and, and like toxic masculinity. And oh, about about judgmental shit and how like Christianity has uh, so much hatred of uh, other ways of living, basically. To, to me, it's, it's not just Christianity, but yeah, it's because this masculine men just want to control and if if you're different than the 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 kind of perfect model of a certain kind of family structure then uh no you, you, that's not the way you know and they're going to use christianity as, as a tool to control yeah. that yeah you know? it's interesting yeah. though like i you know i'm like i'm thinking about like people who are struggling with their relationships when they're having different like and, and they're on different levels of their faith uh-huh. um I mean, I, I know for me, part of my struggle was I just didn't connect physically with with my ex-wife, mm-hmm. and it was 13 years of that. And like by leaving my faith, I realized, oh, I want to go out and I want to explore life. And it, t- I mean, it took me a while to get there because I didn't like I didn't want to hurt her, and I didn't like it, I struggled, struggled, struggled. But for me, like I I couldn't hold both of those things. So like I applaud you for for like being in this space, but. It certainly helps that like your wife is essentially she met you in the middle. Yeah, it wasn't like you have to believe that Jesus literally came down and died for us, and he's the only way, the truth, and he's the only way to believe. If you don't believe it, then then we're done. But I imagine there's some people out there who are like in this same situation, where like I don't know if I believe anymore, and their spouse is like, if if you don't believe, then then we're done. Right. I mean, it's. I guess it's helpful in that she's never really dogmatic to begin with, so it we can we can meet in the middle because we can make that translation. I think if she ever, if she were to be a dogmatic in a way, then yeah, I don't think it would have. I I think it would have just kind of. It would have just kind of ended right there. You know? But you know, but you know what's interesting? In some ways, like I think you and I are, are similar in this in this front, where I'm like, I couldn't accept the watered down version of Christianity at all. Like, do you feel like you're very dogmatic as a human being? Like, I have to believe all this dogma, or else I can't accept it. Because like my ex, she was less, she was always less dogmatic than I was. And once I lost the tether to Christianity mm. and my belief to Christianity, mm-hmm. I, I had to I had to ditch it all because I was so dogmatic. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think I have to, you know. Otherwise, it's like, why, you know, <laughs> like what? Un- unless you, unless you believe that thing, thing actually happened, like why? Why would you believe it? If you want to practice it and say that, okay, I don't believe in it, but I just like the practice of it. That's one thing. But if you don't believe that it actually historically happened, like where Christ or Jesus actually rose from the dead, like if you don't actually believe that, then why why would you actually believe that at all you know it just just doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense to me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. for me like I, this is like this is why like i've been tiptoeing around buddhism but like i checked out this temple in hollywood and the idea of karma like and you have past lives and you're born into this life with all this karma good or bad so whatever your life is right now, you have no control over it because your past lives brought you here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have control where you're going in the future, but but I'm just like, I just don't like this idea. Like you don't have any control. Like you're condemned into the shitty life. You're condemned to it because of something you, you don't have any control over. That mm-hmm. idea just bothers me. And so I went to this temple. I'm like, I'll check it out. I, I can get into some good meditation practice. And this, this monk came out in the orange robes, white dude, shaved head, right? With a Garth Brooks... Madonna mic on, you know, it was a little like wrapped around t- towards the mouth. And it, 
I had this flashback to youth group and he came out and had the same energy as a youth pastor. And what did he talk about? What was this, what was the talk about that day? Karma. I'm like, oh. I'm like, either, either the universe is trying to tell me like, pay attention to karma or the, or the universe is saying like, run away. I, I don't know what, mm-hmm. I don't know what I was trying to say, but I, I'm just like, I can't do this. I can't do this. It just feels like I am taking off one suit that didn't fit and putting on another suit that didn't fit. And I, I think it's because I have that sort of dogmatic mindset where I'm like, listen, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna believe in this, I gotta believe it hook, line, and sinker, the whole thing. Why would I go to a Buddhist temple if I didn't believe in all the precepts of Buddhism? But I do like community and I like meditation. I think that's why I like the, the Shambhala practice a little more. I'm it's not about like there's no monks leading it, it's about the householders and everyday person and um one of the things about Vipassana meditation that really struck me was like the best way to experience Vipassana and, and enlightenment is to become a monk. But we know mm-hmm. not everyone can do that. So we ask that like, when you're here with us for 10 days, you take the monk's vow so you can see what it's like and then try to practice it in your everyday life. But there's still that like, you know, it should, you should be becoming a monk. Uh, that's the best way to be. I don't know. I, I, I can't buy into that yet. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I will someday. Who knows? But Did you stick around to hear anything about the karma? Oh, yeah. No, I, I stayed for the whole thing. Well, was there anything interesting? That, or was it just the same kind of... Same, same, same stuff, you know. Like, I, I remember listening to this one monk. She was talking about before she became Buddhist in the 70s, she had an abortion. She doesn't believe in killing anything now, so she would never have an abortion now. But back then, she's like, this being, whatever that being's past life came into me, must have done something so terrible that like needed to be aborted from this world to go through another karmic cycle. I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh my God, that just feels so gross to be like, first of all, I'm like, I, I'm aborting someone that deserves to be bo- aborted because they were you know, like Hitler or something. I don't know. I, I, but my current, I'm wrestling with this because I'm like, well, maybe there's something deeper that we can look at. Like there is something about like the past lives of, of your family the way that my great-grandfather raised my grandfather, raised my father, contributed to who I am. Mm-hmm. There's a cycle of pain that comes in through, I mean, that, I think that can be supported through like science and reason and everything. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that could be seen as karma. Or maybe what if someday we find out that fucking molecules, what if we like our oxygen molecules in our body carry memory? And so all the the constitution of our body, what if I just happen to have a lot of molecules from Pol Pot or Mm -hmm. someone terrible? Therefore, I have to deal with all of fucking Pol Pot's karma because I had no choice in all of getting all his fucking oxygen molecules. I don't know, maybe maybe someday we'll get there. I do believe in science and I feel like someday we'll figure out how to like scientifically explain a lot of this stuff. But I do know for me, like if if I disconnect myself entirely from spirituality, then I feel so ungrounded. You know, but when I'm doing a meditation practice, when I'm in community, when I'm doing intentional living, I feel better. I become a better human being. I think we just coast through life, just letting things happen to us and, and, and not thinking about and being conscious of what we're doing, then we are shittier people. Mm-hmm. But by living intentionally, you can become a better human being. You don't always, but you can if you do the work. So I think that's what I'm searching for. Going back to like the beginning of like one of the first things you asked me is like, I, I want to become a better human being. I want to be better for 
the men, the women, the non-gendered people, all my friends, my neighbors, you know, I, I want to be a better human, you know? I also want to be able to be present in the moment. Like, I don't want to overthink everything. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I live intentionally necessarily right now. Like, I, like I have, like, focuses, but I don't know. Some people, like, they, they do the thing, they wake up and they have, like, this like intention for the day and whatever like i, I don't that sounds too hard it sounds like too much work for me yeah i don't know if you do that in your meditation at all uh not sometimes but it's not a day not a daily practice but yeah. by by doing the, like this leadership book and by doing this men's group they, they give you like intentions to think about right um yeah but yeah i mean and, and i i will start i will start practice like that sometimes and then other times i'll be like oh, i can't today no i can't and give yourself grace man you, you like you're you're working a documentary you have a kid you have a wife you have friends like we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're doing a podcast now yeah yeah, yeah. so takeaways but... so like you have any like like wrapping it up like what's what's sort of the overview that you i don't know i i, I think uh at the thing that I would say the thing that resonates with me that I guess what I wish I could do more is the idea of living with a more focused intention. And I will say part of the reason why I think I don't necessarily spell out my intention is because once I say the intention, I set, set myself up to fail because it's a specific thing. And it means that if I don't do that thing, that I, then I fail. And I don't want to give myself the bar to fail. Mm. You know, I want to kind of just wing it and be arrive where I wherever I arrive, rather than setting myself up to fail. But yeah, sometimes I wonder um, if I don't set if I don't necessarily set specific goals enough. Mm. You know. And that, that, that is something that I, I think about just in general in my life. Yeah. I, I think because you and I are very, I think you and I are similar in, some, in a lot of ways. It's like, for me, the shift was thinking about everything as practice. Going back to yeah. the beginning of like this idea of practice is like set an intention and then you practice it. And if you don't hit it, it's just practice. It's just practice. Mm. You know, yeah. you'll, hit, you'll, hit, you'll hit the mark someday, but you don't have to hit it today. Yeah. I set the intention to meditate for 25 minutes. Sometimes I did 10, right. but my intention was to get to 25 eventually. You, 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 I mean, people have told me this, uh, that I'm, I'm like the most critical person ever. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I've yeah. experienced that. Yeah. Um, sometimes I wonder if people understand that I'm that critical to myself, <laughs> which makes me like feel shitty about myself a lot of the times. I don't express it, but I uh, that, like, that voice of critique uh, gets pointed towards myself as uh, a lot of the times. And so I think that's part of the reason why, you know, yeah, I'm afraid to uh, uh, set that intention. Yeah, it's like it's like hard to say, yeah, it's just practice, it's just practice. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's, just, it's, it's just hard for me to say. I don't know yeah. why. Wrap, wrapping this up for me, like, I like this idea of, of translating i like this idea that where you where you were like i had to translate what hejung was saying what her experience was to where i was going i think that could 
if we can embrace the idea as on a conscious level on, on like the world, you know, it's like, that's what, you know, I feel like where every, the root of all evil is, right? Where we like create, you're the other, like you're, you're Korean. Your experience is not my experience. It's easy to demonize you. But you're like, no, if you translate this and like, oh no, you want love, you want family, you want community. I want love, I want family, I want community, mm. whatever. It's like, okay, we start, we, we start to get somewhere. Right. Your, your faith means this, my faith means this. Where's the commonality? Yeah, yeah. I think that could be uh, interesting. I think it'd be, it could be interesting trying to translate things that you really hate. Like, yeah, yeah if you think about, if I, if I think about uh, things that I hate, what it would sound like if I were to try to translate Tucker Carlson, for instance. <laughs> like that there would be kind of, you know, you know that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough practice and that could be really interesting, you know? Mostly maybe he's saying, uh, I'm afraid and I'm just, uh, I'm just super insecure. I want validation. And- I want my daddy's love. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's like probably that kind of shit. And I'm sure it actually probably is. That's that's probably a lot of what that is. He's just a really sad human being. As much as I hate that guy and as destructive as that guy is. Yeah. May may all beings find love. Huh. That's not a bad title. We'll get there. <laughs> anyway, I like it was a good conversation. I really enjoyed this moon. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. It's like a little Find the button. Put a button huh? on this. Put a button on uh, this. Yeah. Button this. Uh, it, button this it, fucker it, up. Yeah, it was. It was a small. It was a small, nice little therapy session in a way. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love you, man. Yeah, love you too, man. It was good.